This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy and climate challenge in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. We're coming up on the summer months, which means a lot of stress is about to be put onto the power grid. A lot more air conditioning units are about to come online, and with them, a bit of fingernail biting by our independent system operators, our ISOs, and keeping our lights on. For a long time, the only way to plan for that increased demand was to build more generating stations and keep them idle until they were needed. But today, there are some new tools in the tool belt for ISOs to use in balancing supply and demand. Namely, demand response, which aims to reduce the amount of power being used in order to keep from having to turn on yet another power facility. In this episode, I'll touch on some of the history and current state of demand response and how innovative companies such as OhmConnect and Voltus are using it to accelerate our energy transition. Eight minutes. It's how long it takes the sun's rays to hit Earth, or, well, think of it this way. For all of you parents who are getting ready for those long summer road trips, you could either listen to one of these episodes or get through about 60 bottles of beer off the wall. Hey, your choice. Let's get it on. September 6th, 2022. California is gripped in a massive heat wave that is taxing the grid and causing a lot of concern that the grid operator CalISO may need to impose rolling blackouts in parts of the state. The demand for power had reached record levels and the state was coming up on the time of day when the sun was about to dip down and solar power was going to start receding. Without doing something, California was about to be in a world of hurt. Out went an emergency text message to California citizens, urging them to reduce power and curtail their needs for a few hours. The result? According to Elliot Manzer, CEO of CalISO, the drop in demand equaled 2,000 megawatts of capacity, and California was able to narrowly avert another power crisis. Demand response has been around for years. But the situation last year really brought it to the forefront of the energy transition. It's obvious that we're not going to be able to transition safely and reliably without some form of demand flexibility. Consider, in the old days, a 2,000 megawatt shortfall in generation would have resulted in two, maybe three new natural gas-fired power plants being built and coming online. See, when the only option to meet power demand is to create new supply, Power companies have few options. Renewable supply is too intermittent to rely upon for those moments. And, well, as of right now, storage is too small to really affect the outcome. Instead, the power grid has installed a ton of natural gas power generators that can come online in as little as 10 minutes. These units are silly expensive to build. And what's even more ridiculous is that they are really only used a few times out of the year. Those Peak demand times have led to some rather severe inefficiencies in how we manage the grid, and also in how we pay for power. Those peaking units need to be paid for somehow, which means either increased rates across the board for consumers, or skyrocketing peak time rates, such as what we saw in Texas, when rates shot up to $9,000 a megawatt hour during winter storm URI. Demand response flips that equation and instead simply reduces the amount of demand on the grid so that those new fossil fuel units are never needed in the first place. Okay, there are two types of demand response. The first, implicit DR, uses price signals to help consumers understand that they should be shifting their power usage to another point of the day. 
explicit DR, or what's traditionally called demand response, actually provides incentives for consumers to shift their power during demand response call periods, which results in a win-win situation for both the customer and the power grid. And as you can imagine, if we're not building new fossil generators, then we're helping reduce our overall emissions impact too. The challenge? The IEA estimates that we're going to need 500 gigawatts of demand response by 2030 to meet Paris commitments, which is a tenfold increase from what was on the grid as of 2020. Fortunately, lots of DR companies are coming to the market with outright demand response programs or virtual power plant programs that tie into these big efforts. Voltus, OhmConnect, and LX, these companies are helping to sign up both big commercial companies as well as individual homeowners to participate in demand response programs. And the mechanisms being used to participate are becoming increasingly sophisticated. Years ago, a DR aggregator would have sent an email to their participants asking them to turn off some lights, maybe shut down some computers, or throttle their AC back a few degrees. Today, smart devices do much of that for them. Smart thermostats from Nest and others will dial the temperature up a few degrees in order to save some energy, or smart water heaters could give you a slightly cooler shower for a 10 to 15 minute period as your system automatically downshifts demand. Or take residential heat pumps that can adjust comfort levels during times of grid stress. And with the advent of electric vehicles, Lots of people see utility in using these mobile assets as ways to shift demand on the grid as well. Not only can DR aggregators potentially stop charging or charge at a lower power need during extreme peak periods, and then obviously pick up again when the crisis has passed, but EV batteries could find their way into vehicle-to-grid programs, V2G programs, that allow utilities to access the stored power to offset local demand spikes as well. And frankly, demand response doesn't need to be solely price-based. Sure, that's how most of it is handled today, where high power prices drive consumer behavior. But one could also see emission signals being a big part of where demand response is going next. Say that a time of day is seeing low wind activity and low solar usage, meaning that natural gas plants are running overtime to keep up with the power needs. Could we see a DR signal sent out that ratchets down power usage until more renewable resources come back online? See, price signals, emission signals, smart devices attuned to the individual comfort dynamics of an office or residence, grid balancing, there's a lot going on with demand response, which is also why artificial intelligence is likely to play a big role in the future of these programs. Balancing and managing demand to supply dynamically rather than the brute force technique of simply building yet another fossil fueled power station is really the role of the future. Demand response has come a long way since the early days of sending emails to facility managers, and it's likely to evolve a lot more as the industry progresses. As mentioned earlier, we'll need to ramp it up by about 10 times in order to hit our net zero aspirations by the end of this decade. I'm Paul Schuster. And this has been your eight minutes.